Welcome to The Buzz with ACT-IAC, your source for the hot topics and top issues affecting the federal technology market. Join us each week to hear insights from government and industry experts, stay informed on the challenges facing the public sector, and gain access to valuable reports and thought leadership. Enjoy. Hello, I'm your host, Brian Whitaker. I've been working in the federal government space for more than 10 years. I was always struck by how there's a tendency to build things to help people without ever talking to those people about their needs. In previous roles, I've worked on customer experience projects to implement customer-centric approaches to solving problems. And if you're listening, you're probably familiar with ACT-IAC and their mission of bringing together government and industry partners to communicate, collaborate, and learn. So in these episodes, we'll talk about best practices and customer experience and examples across government of how public servants are doing customer experience well. This episode features Ron Bronson, the Director of Design at 18F. 18F partners with agencies to improve the user experience of government services by helping them build and buy technology. In this episode, Ron talks about his journey to government, selling video games, and the importance of reducing friction in the citizen experience by considering designing for the edge cases. Thanks for tuning in, and here's the conversation with Ron. All right, good afternoon. On this episode, we have uh, Ron Bronson. Ron, welcome to the show. How are you doing? Doing great. Thanks for having me. Good to see you again. <laughs> you bet. You bet, Ron. Always a pleasure to connect. And do you want to tell our listeners a little bit about who you are, your title, your role? What are you up to? Well, right now, I uh, manage the uh, product design team at 18F. Uh, you know, 18F is a uh, you know, digital uh, innovation shop inside the inside of GSA, FAS, TTS, lots and lots of acronyms. Uh, <laughs> and, I've been, and I've been at 18F for a little over three years. It wouldn't be government without a good acronym. Is that right? No kidding. No kidding. <laughs> so what inspired you to join the public service? Well, I think I've always sort of been in that sort of mindset. But uh, after high school, I joined the Air Force. And, um, so, you know, there's some ultimate public service. But the technology side of the stuff's always been part of my life. And so I've always done this kind of work. I don't know that I'm intended to get into it as a career, but I've always done it. You know, over the years, working in, working in local government and dealing with like public sector tech and, and public service and kind of having, I've talked about this a lot. I really appreciate how in local government, people just sort of can come to city hall and bring a thing. And they know there's a, there's a physical space they can go. You don't get that in the federal government as much because it's just so much, it's vast. But I, I really, that, that sort of really can recommitted sort of me to, to this idea that, that, especially in technology, that there's a sort of one-to-one relationship between like people and, and the stuff that they're using. And so I don't know, I've always really appreciated that, but I think more than anything, I've always just really, really liked the idea that, that there was problems and that you could fix them you know, mm-hmm. in your community. You know, something's broken out, we should call somebody and get that fixed, or hey, I'll go pick the trash up myself. And so I think that mindset extends to even the work I'm doing now where you're helping a lot of people. Speaking of helping a lot of people, can you tell our listeners a little bit about 18F and more specifically the design chapter? Yeah, so 18 you know, is an office inside, it started seven years ago uh, as an office inside of a, a sort of Borg-like configuration called the Technology Transformation Services inside of GSA. And so we all work on various kinds of user-centered uh, design projects, you know, product work 
18F is sort of a consultancy model. So we're all federal employees, but we work on, we work with partners across government who come to us on different projects. And so, you know, sometimes it's just, hey, we have a site. We want to, we want to think, reimagine how the site works or, hey, we have a thing we're trying to build and we want to go to a vendor and how do we do that? So 18F has you know, acquisition folks, there are designers, there are developers, product people, account managers. Uh, the design chapter, I think is pretty unique in government in that we have 35 plus designers inside of 18F. You know, so it's a pretty big configuration of designer, you know, of design folks. And we don't have one kind of designer. We have, obviously, I, I manage a team of product designers. Product designers are, if you think of like the folks listening who may not be initiated to that idea, think of people who, if you thought of a visual designer or a graphic designer, well, product designers are that, but like with way more heft. And so a product designer can, can, can scope what the problem is. They can do the research. They can obviously take the ideas and do, you know, sort of low fidelity uh, wireframes or mockups, but they can also take that and use uh, other tools to build that into something much more higher fidelity. And so they can kind of be on a project from the beginning to the end because they understand that whole life cycle. And also they can design. Often we have people who can code too. So it's a really multifaceted team. We have content strategists. We have uh, UX designers and researchers as well, some service designers. So it's a good mix of folks. And the beauty, I think, of, of designers specifically, especially at 18F, is that we try to hire generalists. So we have a lot of folks who are really good at doing a lot of things. People often ask me, well, what do you do? And I laugh because, well, you know this, but a lot of folks don't. Is that It's like, well, it depends on what day you find me. Like I got hired as 18F as a content strategist, but I'm a content strategist who knows how to code. Am I great at coding? Don't hire me to code, but it's something I can do. I've done, you know, thousands of user interviews, right? I love service design. So I'm really, really interested in like how tools work and how flows work and thinking about front stage and backstage interactions on a customer experience for, you know, a podcast. I want to make sure I throw the buzzwords out there. Super important to me. But that kind of thing is, you know, it's hard to have that as an individual job, but having folks you can task on different things means that folks are permeable. We have designers right now who are serving as account managers at 18F because we need account managers. We've had designers who've left and gone on to, you know, lead big teams. So that flexibility, that permeability is really, really nice. And I think we're starting to see more and more that uh, throughout government, folks are seeing what we do and they go, hey, how did, what is that? Or what's a product designer? Or what is this? Explain that to me. Oh, it turns out we need that too. And now they're starting to bring their own people on to do these things. So it's been really, really neat to see that, that sort of not just the work we do, but also the model informs what other folks are able to, to sort of envision for their own possibilities. So... It sounds like there's a lot of different facets of skills and capabilities within the design chapter. We just, I guess, uh, passed a year of COVID, right? So what has the last year been like for you at 18F and how does customer experience fit in? So I think it's been really interesting with COVID. You know, I think it's, it's really made, it's really highlighted, I think, not even at the federal, not just at the federal level, but certainly the federal level, the need to, to really give people access to, you know, urgent information, um, not only urgent information, but also like access to benefits, you know, with all the different, all the different things that have been going out through legislation that have been very rapid. So people come in and they're like, we need a thing right now, or we want to prototype an idea right now. Maybe we don't want you to do it, but we want you to, we want to come in right now and help us think about how to get checks to millions of people, you know, let's, how do we do that? We didn't work on that, but like people still come to us with these kinds of ideas. I know we spent a lot of time last year as designers specifically working on, you know, COVID FAQs and different kinds of, of projects into that, that realm of public information. How do we get information to people rapidly? And how do we do that in a way that is informational, that's informative, right? That's clear, that's consistent. 
And I think if anything, over the past year, that's a thing that I think because there's been, you know, a morass of government sites has been amplified that, oh, it turns out, you know, we've seen an uptick, for instance, you talk about design, we've seen an uptick in the need for content strategies. I think there's a one-to-one relationship between like uh, all the stuff we've dealt with in the past year with COVID and sort of the side effects of that and folks recognizing, oh, it turns out that's really helpful to have two content strategists on a project. We had a hard time explaining it to people before COVID that, oh, no, you really need a content person here. Now I can't, I, had, I can't step them fast enough to stuff. You know, other, pro- other parts of the design team too, but specifically that part has been really cool for people to start to, without having to explain it, they understand it now. Oh, yeah, we need someone to wordsmith this. We need somebody to help us structure this. Not only about writing, it's about structuring the content, structuring the way sites work, making sure the information is easy to find, removing the density from things. Mm-hmm. So I think the past years really amplified that. Um, and I think it's going to continue because... As we work on state things, I got folks working with you know, Wisconsin right now. On, it's been public about you know unemployment and so forth. As we work on projects like that, obviously at the state level, these are the same issues, and sometimes it's worse because they don't have the you know the sort of the sheer number of people that we do at the federal level with eyeballs on this stuff. So I think it's going to continue to be a thing. I agree with you hundred percent. You know this shift. I think COVID has truly opened the eyes of the importance of having information that's accessible and, you know, easily consumed and specifically the importance of, uh, you know, digital presence, right? Is it online? Can I get it quickly? Can I get it clearly? So I'm I'm grateful that you all are, you know, diving into that work and and are able to support. Earlier in in the podcast, you mentioned your experience with more so local government, right? Recognizing that there's a challenge and being able to go to, let's say, City Hall, for example, to talk about it or to work it through. What was your first introduction to customer experience and in what context? <laughs> Honestly, it's working at the mall uh, as a kid. You know, everybody <laughs> has the experience from school's ice cream shop. I knew as a kid, I never wanted to work in food service. I mean, I, I support food service. I tip really well. But as a kid, I knew I was like, that's just not going to work for me. So I need to I need to work at the bookstore. So I did. Mm-hmm. I worked at the bookstore and then I graduated from the bookstore to the video game store. So this was clearly, you know, what I was up to. As a kid. <laughs> but what was really neat about that was I was there four months. And I got promoted. And it was like, you could, I mean, I tell you, I've been promoted since you've had really cool jobs, but I tell you, no promotion felt as good as that one did. Cause I didn't expect it. I didn't expect it to happen. And my boss is like, yeah, I'm just going to train you up. You're going to, you're going to, you're going to be our third key. You're going to, you're going to close. You're going to open. It's felt so important, you know, solving problems on the fly, dealing with customers who come in. We had a guy once, this is a story. This is a customer experience story. I promise. I remember somebody once came in for a game. They called us and said, Oh, I want this game. I don't remember the game. It's 20 years ago. Uh, we said, well, we have, we got one copy. He took the bus. I didn't know this. He took the bus to the mall, 40 minutes away. He gets to the mm-hmm. mall. We don't have the game. And so he's of course, very upset. Mm-hmm. And we're thinking, well, it's just a customer. What's the big deal? I didn't know he took the bus until I was on the bus going home and I saw him. So I went up to him that day and I said, Hey buddy, I didn't realize you took the bus. When that game comes, I'm going to hold you a copy mm-hmm. and I'll make sure you get a discount. Cause mm-hmm. I'm super sorry that happened. I had no idea. And I, it shouldn't have mattered that he was on the bus, but I think just, I think that empathy, right? That empathy yep. of understanding that experience of that user, of that customer in this case, right? Really drove home for me. My boss, of course, was super supportive of this. I wouldn't have been able to do it otherwise. Um, to have that experience. And that's, that's telling that story 25 years later, clearly uh-huh. it stuck with me. But that's, that's, I think that's the approach to customer experience. That's how I see it. It's even at the scale of federal, it's still a, it's still a retail experience. How do we remove the friction? 
this mm -hmm. is a very UX thing, but how do we remove that friction from users to get the thing that they need, you know, mm -hmm. quickly, efficiently, rapidly, and with respect to them, like we want to respect the user. Wow. All right. So, so you were serving customers and playing video games. I'm, I'm a little bit curious as to what video game genre was your favorite back in the day. I love sports games, sports okay. games, and a little bit of, you know, a little bit of, uh, you know, maybe a little bit of some space games that were pretty neat. I'm not great at a lot of those games. So it really was sports games, weirdly enough, that, that I was really into as a kid. All right. And based on your experiences with 18F, what role does customer experience play in the future of government? So I had a really neat experience this summer, last summer, I guess now, where I got to spend a, a detail, a couple of months working with the Office of Customer Experience inside GSA. And so I really, really appreciate, I've had a couple opportunities to spend time, you know, working with like larger GSA outside of 18F and it, you know, I joke about, I joke that it's real government, but like not that 18F is not real government, but just the different kind of experience working with career feds and all the morass of things that, you know, sort of their day-to-day -day is like. And I found that fantastic because it was really cool, A, to see their work more closely, to be mm -hmm. part of that team embedded um, and, you know, see different, I, different ways that they're bringing customer experience to different offices across, you know, across, across GSA and really broadly informing that in government. I think with the 21st century idea coming out, you know, being passed last year, I think that there are a, a ton of not only opportunities, but I think that, that people are starting to understand that thing I just talked about, that people have these, you know, we do these surveys all the time and we hear from people about their experience or their, their, their thought about government and trustworthiness. And I think that, that it's a very slow glacial change, but I think in time, people are starting to see these improvements, see these recogni recognizing that, oh, government's trying to make things easier. They're trying to make sites clearer. You know, we have the U.S. web design system. You know, we're trying to do these different things. Other different agencies have their own design systems that are forked in some ways off of that. We're working at this. Is it going to be a real glacial process? Absolutely, because there's a lot of work. There are a lot of holes to go down. But uh, I think as we envision the future, the hope is that we can start to create that legitimate paradigm shift about what people's experience with government is and what they think of when they think of government services, you know, or working with government. And, and so, you know, just being able to make tools, you know, more user focused to remove friction, like I said, you know, and, and I think thinking about tools to access, I, we spent in that CSCX uh, detail, we spent time talking to vendors and learning from their experience. And I had done a similar thing a couple of years ago. So I kind of had some idea about the space. And one of the things we learned from them was that, they actually liked this. They thought the sites were fine. What they didn't like was all the lack of integration, mm. you know? So how do we, how do we, you talk about removing friction. How do you create, you know, platforms that are seamless? I don't want a user to have to log into five different things to do a thing. Why do we have to have that? I get that we all have our silos and that we all have our domain spaces and our domain areas, but how do we create those conversations? How do we bring those silos? We're all in the same org, for instance, you know, mm -hmm. we're all say we're all in GSA, for instance. How do we bring those disparate people together? How do we collaborate? Okay, maybe we're not doing the same thing, but at least I know what you're working on. And in the past, that wasn't a thing. But increasingly, and I give tons of credit to everyone in GSA for this, because I've seen it, there's way more of that collaboration than we had two or three years ago. Folks are recognizing that, they're having these conversations. And so the hope, the future is that there's even more of that and that it's embedded in our day-to-day -day rather than an afterthought or a thing we tack on. That's, that's the hope. So Ron, I've got one last question for you. You've already left us with a, a bunch of gems, right? One, the importance of access and clarity to in, clar clarified information, the importance of collaboration and reducing the friction uh, when, when it comes to creating products and, and that citizen experience. 
Is there any lesson learned that you would like to share through your experiences for, for our listeners today? Any tips, lessons learned? You know, I, as a, you know, as a technologist, you know, if I say that in quotation marks, it's really, I think it's really important for people to read from things outside of their field, whether, no matter where you are, if it's books, articles, and so forth. Because I think that, especially in these times, you know, it's very charged times, you know, in our country and all the different things that are happening is often a, a sort of a, of, a, of a gap of understanding of, when you talk customer experience, I think the biggest is actually the biggest takeaway. So, so much about customer experience, service design, which I think are kind of, kind of Ray related, is the presupposition that if I build this restaurant, mm-hmm. that people are going to walk through the door and have the same experience. But we all know that's not true. Maybe I come to the restaurant and I've got three kids. I don't, I have one. If I come to the restaurant and I have a couple of kids, well, and one's little and one's big, my experience is going to be different because maybe I need a car, maybe I need a child, a, you know, a high chair and what other things, or I need a kid's menu or something. Maybe somebody comes in and they're older and they have other things they need. We have to approach services and design services in that same way. And we have to think about it in that paradigm. Not everyone accessing your site, not everyone using your service, not everyone uh, leveraging the tools you build is going to have the same experience. You can't just create one persona and assume we're four personas and assume that everyone's going to go through the door the same way. There are going to be edge cases, search edge cases. And if we can't figure that out, if people don't think about that, it's, you're, no matter how much money or time you put into this, it's not going to really work. So I think the biggest takeaway is understanding that, that people have different experiences. We need to be as build tools and understand that there are going to be, it's going to be liminality. It's going to be edge, edges inside of narrow spaces, inside of these experiences that we build that are going to be different. People are going to call you. They're going to have an issue. And you have to deal with that. And maybe if enough folks call, you realize, oh, it turns out that's our actual audience. It's not mm-hmm. who I thought it was. And that is the thing we learn every day our, you know, in, in our work, in our job, is that who you thought was your audience is often not your audience. And you need to be prepared for that. And you need mm-hmm. to be ready for that and, and, and build your teams around that and, and design your services around that. So there's a $20 answer to your $5 question for you. <laughs> there you have it. There you have it, listeners. Uh, Customer experience is a journey, right? You're, you're going to continue to find the edge cases and uh, you need to be ready to respond and, and you know, incorporate that into your process. Gosh, Ron, thank you so much. Wealth, wealth of knowledge, energy, and uh, gems today. So thank you so much for your time. This was super fun. I appreciate you and this has been great. Thanks so much. Are you looking to promote your brand to the government IT community? The Buzz with ActIAC is looking for sponsors. By sponsoring this podcast, you'll receive extensive visibility among government and industry decision makers, help drive continued conversation in the IT marketplace, and demonstrate your support for ActIAC's mission for a more effective and innovative government. We'll even give your ad the professional treatment with music, sound effects, and a professional voice actor. That's me. For more information about sponsorship, contact Carol Miller at cmiller at actdiac.org or go to actdiac.org backslash sponsorship dash opportunities. And that's a wrap on The Buzz with ActIAC. Join us next week for more hot topics and top issues affecting the federal technology market. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a review on your favorite podcast platform and follow us on Twitter at ActIAC.
More information about today's show can be found in the episode notes. For more insights, visit www.actiac.org. Thanks for listening.